This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Sports Tours International. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport. With in-depth interviews and special episodes. To keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. Hello and welcome to episode 17, 17 of the Insight Try Show brought to you by Sports Tours International and Orion Connect. I am Helen Murray and it's great to have you along listening in. Thank you very much for your company as ever. I've got a really good interview for you this week. It's one of those things that you listen to and you think, whoa, as if that could ever happen. But yeah, it did. So you will be listening to an interview with Hannah Moore, who's a British para-triathlete. So that's coming up a little bit later. We're also going to have an update from David Garrido as he continues to find out all about triathlon. And you're going to hear from Lucy Gossage, because if you have ever wanted to race Norseman, the legendary race in Norway, then now is your chance. So keep on listening to find out how you can race Norseman in 2020. So as I sit here in my kitchen, um, I'm actually, this might make you laugh, I've kind of got my head in a bit of a um, cat bed um, to try to, <laughs> to try to make the sound sometimes less echoey. It's all very interesting. Sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just sit in the kitchen um, and you probably can't even tell the difference. But um, yeah, I, I'm going to hopefully try and um, get a bit more of a, not soundproof room, but a room that is less echoey. But for now, my head is pretty much in a uh, cat bed, which I did buy especially for doing the podcast Um we don't have cats I'm not the biggest cat fan um but yeah it's quite a funny (laughs) it's quite a funny image um but there we go yeah so I got back from Nordic walking absolutely ravenous earlier on I did a a group session and then I had a one-on-one session at the weekend I was also doing a bit of Nordic walking um we did running with poles which was really good fun um you suddenly almost like have that feeling of 
freedom and a bit like going back to childhood when you first discover running and um, running in the rain and things like that. So yeah, that was a good giggle. And I said I was planning on going for a ride, didn't I, on Friday. Well, good news. Guess what? It genuinely happened. Yep. Okay. Don't don't collapse. Don't choke on your cornflakes or or your energy drink or wherever you are. Don't fall off your turbo or the treadmill. Uh, yeah, I went for a bike ride. It was over two hours. <laughs> I was quite proud of myself. I cycled to Chester straight after swimming, actually, which was quite an achievement itself, given that it was a Friday morning. And, um, oh, it was such a good day. A little bit frosty to begin with, but the sun was shining. And, yeah, I, I do like that ride. I always seem to get lost about halfway. Yeah, I still got lost about halfway, but I did make it to Chester on time to see a friend for a coffee. So that was really, really lovely. And I very, very much enjoyed that. And then on Sunday, clearly I'm going to say, hey, I love the Inside Try Show and I want you to love the Inside Try Show as well. But I do also like a BBC podcast called Fortunately which is with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Jane Garvey presents Woman's Hour and Fee Glover also presents on Radio 4 quite a lot. Used to be on 5 Live. Anyway, they're brilliant. They do a podcast together. It's called Fortunately and they did a live version of it at the Lowry. And sometimes you just need a little bit of laughter and giggles in your life and they certainly gave us that on Sunday. So if you do have the opportunity to go and see it, um, and you're in the UK, they're doing a little bit of a tour. Oh, go. It's great. It's really good. And it's very female friendly. <laughs> there were many, many more females than males in the audience. Anyway, let's have a little mosey through the pages of David's diary. Hey, Helen, how's it going? It's David here. We are, what is it, three and a bit weeks into hashtag DG Try, which is my journey into triathlon as a complete beginner, really. And do you know what? I've learned so much over this relatively short space of time uh, from my first appearance on the pod where we asked for tips for a first time triathlete and the audience responded. And on social media, people have been really supportive too. And I've just got to know the triathlon community both in that sense and also in person with my club Renegade Triathlon, who I train with, uh, Chairman Rob, who's awesome just a really good guy and uh, Phil who does our track sessions and well everyone really it's really amazing camaraderie and I've just really enjoyed that part of it to start off with I've entered my first competition as well it was an aquathlon it wasn't a, a triathlon of any sort so it was held at Hampton Pool it was part of the Go Try series for people like me getting a triathlon it was called Go Try Chile Chilly by name, chilly by nature. Uh, it really was. It was an early start on a Sunday at Hampton Pool. Uh, we got underway around sort of half past six in the morning. It was a 216 meter swim, so that was six lengths of the pool, and then a 3k run. So it wasn't that far, but it just got me into what that competitive mindset is if I want to do some competitions. And it really did whet my appetite. I really enjoyed it. Oh, and I got my first medal, which was cool. So that was good. But I also did have my first injury issue. I had a little hamstring niggle. I pulled up at track last week, uh, just tweaked it, nothing too serious. But it does sort of bring home to me, this isn't going to be easy. Not that I thought it was going to be easy, but when you're injured, then obviously you have to stop and you can't just keep hammering away at training, especially in the affected 
area of your body so yeah you've got to kind of rest and recuperate and that might be a bit frustrating uh, i've got my bike now though i've got a trekamonda sl5 with disc brakes uh, so just getting to know the bike understanding you know things like clipping in clipping out and looking forward to getting out and, and and riding the thing and getting to know the roads and just understanding how i'm feeling on the bike and trusting it i suppose and trusting myself on it now something's coming up next week i've just realized that you know life is starting to take over a little bit i've been busy with work uh, with sky and other things and uh, i've got as you know a very young son leo who's not even six months old and he's really interesting at the moment like he's developing so quickly you know day to day just things change and i'm just fascinated by it and obviously i want to be a really big part of that but also you know it means that it affects your training and life gets in the way sometimes and you know i'm very aware of this right now because it's busy enough as it is but next week i go to south africa because i'm hosting uh, an event out there and i'm going to be in a hotel but don't think it has a, a pool of any real sort of size to do meaningful training in and i'm not sure whether it's got a gym or not so i think if anything i'm going to be mainly running but I'm also wondering, are there any kind of hotel workouts I can do, like literally in my hotel room, little exercises or drills that would help uh, just keep me ticking over? Because I feel like I'm making little bits of progress and, you know, psychologically, confidence wise, I feel good. I don't want to just come back and then be a couple of steps behind where I was. So anything that anyone knows on that score would be really, really helpful. Hotel room workouts, exercises, drills that kind of thing so yeah get in touch get in touch with helen uh, on social media as well with me at sky sports david and i would be very very grateful to have any advice you might have thanks very much so if you have any tips as to how david can keep up with his training whether it's an indoor workout whether it's drills whatever it might be then let us know at inside try show on twitter or at sky sports david let us keep david going um i did actually message him earlier and he said that he was about to go out on his bike this afternoon and i said to him as long as you know where the brakes are you'll be absolutely fine but i did also give him the tip of if he is doing a race genuinely get your bike in an easy gear when you rack it and then you can actually push the pedals when you get on it again so that was my sensible tip for david this time i think last time i told him to keep breathing so you know it's good murray wisdom if you want to know a bit more about david who he is then listen back to episode 14 with els visser because we had a big introduction to david he presents on sky sports news in the uk and he's just getting into triathlon and we are going to be helping him with tips and all sorts of things like that so a word about sports tours international who sponsor this podcast now clearly i'm not stupid they're not stupid it is a testing time for them at the moment with coronavirus and everything but there was a really interesting interview with ceo chris bird this morning on the radio which i heard so I guess it's just a bit of a shout out to all the team there and and a thank you from me for their continued support when it is obviously a challenging time for them. The podcast is also sponsored by Orion Connect. Now, if you are injured or you are struggling with pain or anything like that, then Orion Connect can help you find the right practitioner. It is efficient and it is affordable. So for example, if you went to see an orthopedic knee consultant, it would probably cost you about 450 pounds, including a follow-up. 
But if you go through Orion Connect, it's £250, including a follow-up. They only work with trusted practitioners, and it is really efficient. So there's no time or money wasted down the chain. So if you do need to get fixed and you want to get it done and sorted, then head to orion.co.uk forward slash connect. So that is Orion Connect. I mentioned at the start then that this week's interview is with an amazing young woman called Hannah Moore. So Hannah is on the British Para Triathlon team, but she hasn't always been into triathlon. In fact, she used to be a karate champion, but when she was 15, Hannah went and had a a normal procedure done for an ingrowing toenail. Sounds simple, right? But basically, that then triggered a really rare condition called complex regional pain syndrome, which effectively made her life absolute misery for four years. So then she chose and paid to have her leg amputated. And it was after that that she got into triathlon. So let's hear more from Hannah and her pretty incredible story. I probably came across triathlon a bit by accident in a way. I never was really into sport that much as a kid. I did karate, but not really anything related to triathlon at all. And it wasn't until after an injury that basically I was unable to walk and um, it caused a condition called CRPS. And this basically meant that, yeah, I just couldn't really use my leg. It caused a lot of pain and it was after trying a few different sports I'd kind of come across people who had done triathlon before um like para triathlon and I kind of thought at the time wow that's amazing like I'd love to do something like that but like at the time I wasn't really able to do it because of the condition I had um so it was kind of one of those things that I wanted to do but I had to get to one side and it wasn't until I later decided to have my leg amputated that I decided that actually I need to give this a go. So what exactly happened why did you have to have your leg amputated? So in 2012, I had an operation to remove an ingrown toenail and that triggered something called CRPS, which is complex regional pain syndrome. And for the first few years, it caused a lot of pain. Um, like my foot was really hypersensitive. I couldn't really walk properly. I couldn't sort of walk on the outside of my foot. Um, and then after about two years, um, it started kind of causing ulcers in my foot um, and affected the blood supply. Um, and I had about over 50 operations to try and fix the ulcer in my foot, but none of them really worked. And after about four years, I elected to have my leg amputated in the hope that it would improve like my quality of life and stuff, which it definitely has. So it was just a, a normal, everyday thing about getting an ingrowing toenail removed? Yeah, it's um, yeah, one of those things, I guess, but um, not really something you expect to happen. But yeah, something that was obviously out of my control. Had you ever even heard of complex regional pain syndrome? No, I honestly hadn't heard of it until I was diagnosed with it. And to be honest, I think even when I was diagnosed with it, I didn't quite realise what it actually meant because it was diagnosed fairly early. They kind of said like with physio and uh, that kind of thing, like you should be able to get back to normal. And I kind of thought like, oh, it'll just be like a few weeks, a few months, whatever. Um, and then I'll be fine to carry on because um, at the time I was obviously still at school um, doing my GCSEs and plans for the future and whatever. So 
was kind of like oh this is a bit annoying but it'll be better soon and and carry on I didn't quite realize that it would change everything I guess so four years just constant pain discomfort as you said before just not even being able to walk properly so how miserable was it I think the first two years of that I could carry on with some sort of like normality and what I'd kind of planned so I'd got a scholarship to go and train to be a chef um so I could actually I still went and did that despite like the pain and stuff and the fact that I couldn't walk quite normally like I was still able to go and do what I wanted to do and um I tried not to let it affect me from that point of view it wasn't really until sort of two years down the line that I started getting the Ulster and stuff which obviously meant I couldn't really carry on doing the the chef thing that I was doing I couldn't walk on my foot really um because it just made it so much worse um and yeah obviously like the last two years I think was definitely the hardest because um I was having all these operations none of them were really working like skin grafts and stuff to try and heal the ulcers that just kept failing and infections from that and stuff so yeah it was it was really hard and as a teenager as well when you're going through that that that's I mean that must have just been horrible yeah definitely I think obviously that was 16 when it happened so an age where you're getting more independent and stuff and then yeah it was really hard because obviously especially sort of towards the end of the time before my amputation there was a lot of things I couldn't do and I couldn't do by myself and yeah it was kind of not really not really what you want is it (laughs) no and you must have been then a really quite a sporty kid if you'd got you know you got your black belt in karate in 2010 and then did after the operation to remove the ingrowing toenail and then with everything that followed did you then have to stop doing all kinds of sport like karate yes i couldn't do karate anymore although i still tried to keep involved with the the club and the stuff and with obviously the friends that i made doing karate obviously initially i was a bit down about it and it wasn't until probably a few years after that i suppose when i couldn't do the chef scholarship that was keeping me busy I kind of thought well I really want to do some sport because like sport always made me feel better so I went and tried a few different sports like um, wheelchair rugby uh, wheelchair basketball fencing um, and wheelchair racing and then I think it was through through the wheelchair racing club that I met met people who'd done triathlon as well and then that was how then you would have got into it but when you actually decided to get your leg amputated I mean that is one hell of a massive decision so that couldn't have been an overnight decision definitely it was obviously a decision that it took a long a lot of thinking a long time and talking to like my parents my family and stuff and obviously it's not a decision that you take lightly but I think um, when they all saw like everything I was going through and the fact that none of the kind of treatments I was having were actually working or making any progress um and because of the fact that I couldn't really use my leg like even if the ulcers had been healed there was still so many other problems with like actual function in my foot that eventually it kind of became a not an obvious decision but an easier decision from that point of view the fact that even if the ulcers healed my foot wouldn't have really been functional did you have to go and get it done privately or did you just choose to get it done because by that point you're like well I need to do something about this um, no, I couldn't. So it's it's quite difficult because um, 
there's not really a lot of research into CRPS and there's no um, or little evidence to prove that um, amputation can cure CRPS. Um, and most people were kind of saying, well, you know, it'll just, the condition will just come back in your stump or in another part of your body because that's how it works. Um, yeah, and there's because there's no proof that amputation can work, then um, the NHS wouldn't fund the amputation, which is why um, it was done privately. And how did that amputation actually change your life? My life is unrecognisable now compared to then, but it's a massive risk because even though it was done privately, there's still the risk that the condition could come back or there's so many risks, but it's just completely changed everything. I guess in the early days, like we were never 100% sure that the condition wouldn't come back, although almost straight away, CRPS is a, a very different type of pain to any other kind of pain that I've ever experienced. And like even in the few days after an amputation, I knew that that kind of pain wasn't there anymore. It was just the pain from the amputation, if that makes sense. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You said that it's completely different to any other kind of pain that, that other people might be familiar with. Can you even vaguely describe it? To be honest, I kind of struggle a bit now to remember almost what it was like I guess in a way because it's been three and a half years or whatever that I haven't felt that pain for but just completely unlike anything else the intensity of the pain like if you fall over and hurt yourself it's not really that kind of pain it's just completely yeah it's completely different even within what a week or two you like oh my goodness this is like a new lease of life yeah, like rather than seeing all the, the negative things and the things that go wrong, I was determined to see it as an opportunity, like to try and get some sort of normality back in my life. Even before the amputation, like I'd written a list of things that I wanted to do. So like I wanted to walk again because I haven't walked in two years. There was a lot of things just to go out with my friends, to be able to do like simple everyday tasks, really. There was a lot of things that I kind of had on hold that I wanted to wanted to do and was trying to use it as like a almost goals and as a target really. Do you remember what was top of the list and what you ticked off first? The biggest thing obviously was being able to walk again but that wasn't like something that really happened straight away because obviously um, initially because I've walked so long just building up strength and like then you don't get fit for a prosthetic straight away so there was a weight with that um, and yeah like I don't know I think I can't really remember what was the first thing I would have done but I suppose just like I think actually the first thing that 
was a big thing for me was like sleeping in my bed with the duvet just flat because I could never like tolerate the duvet on my foot because it caused so much pain because my foot was so like hypersensitive to everything. Um, so yeah, that was one of the things obviously when I first went home, like just being able to sleep in my bed normally without the duvet like tucked up one side or whatever. That must have been crazy. Yeah, it's just like little things, I guess, but all things that you're like, oh wow, I couldn't do that before, and now I can. And so. you wouldn't, you wouldn't even think of that kind of thing. I mean, that sounds something so simple, doesn't it? Yeah, probably a lot of people didn't really realise that was even a problem. Oh my goodness! And then the process of learning to walk again—is it really depressing? Is it really? uplifting because you finally feel like you're getting your independence back again I think for me massively like obviously emotional but just exciting more than anything the fact that I was stood up and taking steps forward yeah it was just super exciting because for me it was like the beginning of a normal life and getting back to doing what I wanted to do and stuff like that so yeah it obviously was difficult especially not having walked so long then trying to get to the point where I could walk with a prosthetic like unaided was like it didn't just happen overnight but I'd say it was a pretty exciting journey. How is it mental now that you're swim, biking, running? It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I think like obviously when you look back at then and now, like I think sometimes you forget to look back to that time and you think, well, it's kind of crazy how far how things have changed and whatever. Yeah. And what was it what is it like getting the prosthetic fitted? for the first time I thought you'd just get a prosthetic and that would be it and it all was well but I didn't quite realize obviously there's a lot of work involved and straight after amputation like your leg changes size quite a lot so there's a lot of like re-getting fitted but the first time that I put the prosthetic on and started walking I, I think I just cried because I was just so happy that I was actually like stood up I was walking like admittedly like with parallel bars or whatever but it was just a great feeling to be able to know that I was able to do that now because before the amputation a lot of people told me that I wouldn't be, ever be able to wear a prosthetic because the CRPS would come back and it wouldn't be a possibility so I think it's just another kind of step towards what I wanted. And do you remember seeing the faces of not just your physio team but your family as well? Yeah I think so my mum came with me to that first appointment where I got on prosthetic and I think she was obviously just so happy as well that it was actually happening and I was I had got fitted for my first leg and that I was stood up and starting to walk on it so yeah it was it's nice to see her face and how happy she was as well. That is remarkable really really remarkable. So then you did your first triathlon only in 2017? Yes I did my first triathlon in 2017 I think 10 months after my amputation that was on the list of things yeah because it was something that I'd wanted to do before and postponed so I guess like the list was kind of comprised of a lot of things like that of things that I wanted to give a go and could never really do at the time so um that was definitely one of the things so talk us through your first triathlon it was pretty crazy it was the arctic one paratriathlon festival at Eaton Dorney yeah I did the super sprint race and I just had like my standard prosthetic from the NHS and did everything on that especially the run I found so hard because I've never really been a runner 
and then running on like a normal everyday prosthetic is pretty hard to be honest because I didn't have a running blade or anything but despite the fact it was actually quite painful especially on the run I just loved every second of it and it, it lasted a long time because I was quite slow at the time but I just enjoyed every minute and yeah like crossing the line and stuff was just like, it just felt like the biggest achievement ever so I was super happy and I guess that's when I sort of caught the bug for it a little bit and was like I have to do another one love that and then even like a, a literally a year later then you're a world champion yeah <laughs> it's pretty crazy <laughs> to think that to be honest yeah so how does running on a prosthetic leg compare to running with a blade like obviously the main difference is like especially for me like the impact like on effectively my shin bone um because of how the prosthetics fit and stuff like the blade kind of as you run compresses and it it takes away from some of that impact. Whereas running on a normal everyday prosthetic, like you, it, it just, tend, I found anyway, it tended to bruise like the end of my leg. And because at the time, like my leg was still shrinking in size, um, like my prosthetics didn't fit particularly great either. So you get a lot of movement inside the, the sockets and that can cause um, problems. But yeah, it, it's a very hard work. Like, even now, like if I run to the bus or whatever on my normal everyday prosthetic, I can't even imagine how I ran two and a half K or more <laughs> on it before. <laughs> and did you get your blade when you got onto the British Paratriathlon programme or were you able to get one before that? No, so I got one before that. I was really lucky that I got involved with some disability sport charities and I met um, a guy called Mark Pattenden through that and a girl called Kelly Jackson. Basically, Mark had ran the Great Wall of China Marathon to raise money for Kelly to get a running blade. And then they were looking to raise money to then buy somebody else a running blade. And I was really lucky that they they basically did a load of challenges to try to help me raise money to get my first blade. Um, And that's kind of where it all started, really. To be honest, it's crazy to think now where I'd be, obviously, if they hadn't have hadn't helped me out in the first place and yeah really lucky that through them got a great partnership now with Dorset Orthopedic and you know they help with all my prosthetics now which is great but it's crazy to think that it all started with them and helping me to get get that first blade. How much would a blade cost? It really depends but thousands of pounds you know probably I don't really know to be honest but definitely more than five thousand pounds. And was everyone there when you did that first triathlon or when you became world champion in 2018 or 2019? Mark and Kelly both came to my first ever triathlon. Did they? Um, Yeah, which was really nice. Kind of been there, like, backing me, obviously with with my family and other friends as well. But yeah, it's cool that they've kind of been on this journey as well, really. You mentioned before about you left school at 16 and you had a, a scholarship to become a chef at a five-star hotel how long did you do that for before you had to stop um so I think I did about a year and a half of that um before that was just before I started getting all the ulcers and stuff in my foot um and then went back to doing a bit of it after after my amputation but yeah it wasn't wasn't quite the same and obviously started to get involved in sport and stuff then as well so but you've got some pretty handy knife skills. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, so you get pretty quick when you have to do that much fishing. 
So where did you imagine that you would be working? Well, I guess like the biggest thing was getting the scholarship with the Royal Academy of Culinary Arts. So like once I knew that I'd, I'd got that, I knew sort of the placements were like five star hotels and stuff. And obviously that was super exciting. And it was just something that I kind of always had, had my eye on and wanted to do. Yeah. So if you ever cook now for your fellow triathletes or if they ever invite you round do they always feel a bit ashamed not sure about that but yeah they always like it when I cook stuff they always say they don't want to cook for me but I'm not that fussy I promise what would be your go-to dish oh gosh I used to when I when I used to work I used to prefer doing sort of pastry stuff so I'd say my dessert skills are, are better than anything else but um, not really sure exactly what to be honest. So is baking now your thing? I do do a fair bit of baking, yeah, when I've got time in between everything else. Do you have a favourite thing to bake? To be honest, if I'm baking for myself, anything with chocolate is <laughs> always a winner. But <laughs> if I'm baking for other people, I generally just ask them what they'd prefer. But for me, anything with chocolate is, is great. Honestly, it, it must be quite nice. Um so you know when I, I came and did um, interviews like the behind the scenes stuff at, uh, at yeah. Loughborough and I came to Breakfast Club like, they must love it if you come in with your stuff yeah I think so banana bread is always a favourite for Breakfast Club to be honest I remember when I was there I think it was cereal was was yeah. uh, was on offer and Johnny <laughs> Johnny Ryle was like it's not always cereal Helen <laughs> <laughs> not every week no. not, not when around. Hannah's on duty yeah or some sort of breakfast muffin I've done that before. <laughs> so what does your week look like now in terms of training? It depends really. Um obviously I'm now at uni in Loughborough as well, so balancing uni lectures and training as well. Obviously we tend to swim as a group together and then some sort of bike sessions we do together as well, but a lot of the other stuff I'll do by myself or with a few of the other guys like in smaller groups. But yeah, it's great to have so many people around that have the same sort of mindset and whatever to, to train with. And what's it been like having to study again? You know, if you had gone to the Royal Academy of Culinary Arts, it's very like hands-on, very, very practical. And now having to get your head into books, has that been refreshing? Has it been quite difficult to get back into learning mode? I think it's pretty difficult, especially to start with, because obviously a lot of people came straight from from doing A-levels straight into university. And obviously for me, it had been, what, six years since I'd finished, like, doing school, which was, like, the last kind of academic yeah. sort of work that I'd done. Um, and that was only, obviously, GCSEs. So it was it was a bit of a shock, to be honest. Um, but I think now I'm kind of grateful that I've got uh, something else as well as, as, well as training. So it's always kind of good to... Um, have, have something else to do so you know it's not all about just one thing and you took a, a break from social media recently how refreshing was that for you I think to be honest it's good I think a lot of people do get drawn into what they see on on social media and I think um having time away can be can be really great and just to focus on yourself and not not compare yourself to what other people are doing like and thinking oh I need to be like them because you don't you just need to be you do what you do yes that I'm focusing on being the best I can be and that doesn't involve comparing myself to what other people are doing 
And what would you say that you've learned most about yourself since that first operation in 2012 when you went to get the ingrowing toenail removed? I think probably that I'm a lot stronger and a lot more determined than I ever probably thought I was. I probably would have not thought of myself in that way before, whereas now I kind of think I can do anything that I put my mind to. And I think that's something that's shown in in what I've done in triathlon as well. And when you are racing and, you know, let's say it's a competitive race or whatever, and the little voices are starting in your head, actually, do you go back to any of what you've been through to draw on that for the mental strength? To be honest, when I'm racing, I focus on what I'm doing in the moment and I think concentrating on what I'm there to do, what I want to do in that race. I think it's probably only really like afterwards, maybe when you you reflect and you look back on where you've been and where you've got to. And yeah, I know for sure, like after I won my second world title in Lausanne, I looked kind of thought, well, it's crazy that three years down the line, I've I've done this. Amazing. And what would your ultimate goal be in paratriathlon? I think it's difficult to say, but I'm sort of trying to push myself um, to be the best I can be, make a games one day and just prove what I can do. Thanks for listening to the Inside Try Show. If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. So don't forget the name Hannah Moore. And Hannah, I do think that you need to start supplying banana bread and breakfast muffins to all triathlon clubs after their early morning swims, all right? I'm sure we can sort it out somehow, but that would be marvellous. Definitely a Nutsford Tri Club, you'd be most welcome. (laughs) Now, we didn't talk about the Paralympics in Tokyo, as you might have heard during the interview, didn't mention it at all. And that's because it is pretty complicated because Hannah races in the PTS4 category, but that isn't one of the medal categories at the Tokyo Olympics. Then, to make things even more complicated, the ITU and the International Paralympic Committee announced that athletes in categories that aren't included on the Tokyo 2020 programme can still have the opportunity to try to qualify by classing up, so going in a different class. So I guess it is a case of watch this space. But if you want to hear a little bit more about the British paratriathlon team, then why don't you go back to episode three, which was behind the scenes with them in Loughborough, and especially the interview with Johnny Ryle, who is the Paralympic head coach. And he kind of explained a bit about the decision to have certain categories at the Paralympics and not. And he basically said it came down to, are you going to get the most international field is it a really international event? So they want the events to be represented in numbers and in nations. So yeah, episode three, Elite Secrets Behind the Scenes with British Triathlon will give you a little bit more of an insight into, I guess, the road to Tokyo. Right, I mentioned an amazing opportunity to get a slot at Norseman this year. So let's find out more. Hi guys, it's Lucy Gossage here. So I just wanted to tell you about a really exciting opportunity. 
I think anyone who listens to this will be blown away that it even exists. So last year, as many of you know, I raced a Norseman triathlon, which was the Extreme Triathlon World Championships in Norway. It's an iconic race. It's the oldest extreme triathlon. They have 300 slots a year. The lottery is always 10 times oversubscribed. People apply year after year after year and don't get a slot. I raced last year alongside Zolaris, who's the main sponsor for Norseman in 2020, and Active Mulcreft, which is a Norwegian exercise cancer charity. So I've got a really big interest in exercise oncology, so using physical activity for people living with and after cancer. Anyway, the follow-on from that is that Zolaris, who's sponsoring Norseman, has managed to get four, yeah, that's right, that's four slots for Norseman in 2020. The slots are available to buy. You have to pay your own expenses, but this is a money can't buy opportunity. People, as I said, apply year after year after year for this race and don't get in. The whole point of these slots is to raise money for charity, one of which is Active Mokreft. So I think three of the slots are raising money for that. So they're incredible charity in Norway. They build exercise gyms and exercise facilities in hospitals for the use of people living with and after cancer. The other slot, which is just so exciting, has been given to 5K Your Way Move Against Cancer, which is an initiative that I've co-founded with Gemma Hillier Moses in the UK at the moment, planning to go worldwide eventually, not now. <laughs> but this is an initiative encouraging people living with and after cancer to walk, jog, run, cheer or volunteer at park runs on the last Saturday of every month. So we've now got 58 groups, I think, across the UK and Ireland. We're growing bigger and bigger, but we need funds to support us growing. So we have been given a slot to sell, in effect, to people who passionately believe in the benefits of physical activity for those living with an after cancer, but more importantly, who are prepared to raise a hell of a lot of money for us. Honestly, I can't tell you what an amazing opportunity this is for you guys, because you cannot buy these slots. They do not just turn out. You could apply 10 years in a row and not get a slot. They're now available. There are four of them. All you need to do is apply. I think Helen's going to put the link in the show notes. So go there, apply. We want to know why you want to be part of the team and more importantly, how you're going to raise money for us. So yeah, good luck. Please tell as many people about this as possible, even if you're not going to apply. Obviously, we want to get as many really interested, really passionate people. You will not regret this. It's an incredible race. It is just iconic. Extreme triathlons are they're just so different to Ironmans. It's a completely different side of triathlon, but I would really encourage everyone to dip their toes in. So yeah, good luck. Get in contact with me on social media if you have any questions and yeah, share it widely and apply. Thanks. That is the kind of opportunity that really does not come around very often. You might be umming and narring, but the least you could do would be to go and check out the link in the show notes and see how you can get involved and be on that team. So if you want to find out more, you can either head to helenmurray.net forward slash inside tri show forward slash Hannah Moore or head to inside The Hannah Moore interview will be at the top and then you'll see a big button which says show notes. Click on that and then follow the link through. Or if all else fails, find Lucy Gossage on Twitter or on Instagram and she will have posted a lot about it. But honestly, this is such a good opportunity and it's the sort of thing that 
if you don't get involved, you will never, ever know. So do it, do it, do it. Talking of social media, don't forget that David Garrido wants your tips for workouts or drills that he can do if he's away and has no access to like a pool or his bike or just generally can't do his normal training. So maybe you could share your experiences. Perhaps you have some ideas. Let us know at Sky Sports David and at Inside Tri Show on social media. Now, if you're after some natural sports nutrition for your races and training this season, then get on the case with 33 Fuel. I must say, even though I eat a lot of fruit and veg, in fact, I'm a massive fan of fruit and veg, but 33 Fuel's award-winning daily greens are definitely growing on me and it's becoming now part of my morning routine and I'm trying to keep in tip-top condition I would say Um, and their energy bar I had that the other day for breakfast on my ride straight after swimming it was great so use the code inside try 33 for a discount at checkout at 33fuel.com if a little bit of this and a little bit of that is more your thing, then head over to comfuel.co.uk, use the code INSIDETRY and you will get 20% off all products. Next week, it's not going to be an athlete as such, I should say, but it is two very fun people who live and breathe all things triathlon. Do you know what South Africa's favourite pastime is? No. We like to bry. Do you know what a braai is? A barbecue. No, no, no. A barbecue is a whole bunch of men standing in line to have their hair cut. Okay? <laughs> we braai. I have got wood on the fire. I lit the fire before coming on, on onto this podcast. And I've got my in-laws over. Um, it's 26 degrees Celsius outside with a gentle breeze. There is a cold beverage in my fridge that is shouting my name. I don't know if you can hear it. If you listen carefully. Oh. I'll just jump in my private helicopter and fly to South Africa for dinner. I'll see you in about 24 hours. (laughs) So that is coming up on next week's show. And I wanted to let you know that the other day I hit 20,000 downloads, which I'm really, really chuffed about, but it wouldn't have been possible without all of your support. So a massive, massive, massive thank you from me to you for listening, for sharing, for commenting, for just getting involved and supporting me and what I'm doing. It was pretty rubbish at the end of November um, and it's really difficult starting things up from scratch. So I am very grateful for all of your help and support. Genuinely, it means a lot. And um, yeah, I hope to continue bringing you interesting interviews and fun things every single week. If you could buy me a coffee every so often, that'd be fab. You can get involved at patreon.com forward slash inside try show. But otherwise, support the people who support me. So like Sports Tools International, Orion Connect, 33 Fuel and ComFuel as well. So you have been listening to the Inside Try Show with Sports Tools International and Orion Connect. Don't forget if you are injured or you know someone who is or they're in pain and they want to get fixed quickly and affordably, then head to orion.co.uk forward slash connect. So until next week, I'm going to get my head out of this cat bed. You keep it fun and we'll speak then. Sports Social Podcast Network.
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.